What is up? Welcome everyone to another edition of the Fantasy Life Show. It's the flagship show. My name is Marcus Grant. I am pleased to be here. Glad you could join us as well as we go charging straight ahead into week five. We got plenty to talk about on today's show. And before we get too far into it, time for me to introduce the folks who are going to help me out. We got the three Fantasy Life Musketeers of Ian Harditz, Dwayne McFarland, and Matthew Friedman. Kendall Valenzuela will be along a little bit later, as will Matthew Berry and our own wide receiver one Showtime Golden Tate. They're going to take us through what might be happening with the Rams wide receiver situation. But Friedman, we missed you last week. Welcome back, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was the worst sports betting week of my career. And I think the problem was that I wasn't on the show with you guys to soak up everything to do with football. <laughs> so my process was interrupted. So it, it's good to be back and hopefully I get back to the winning. Well, we're glad to have you back. Hopefully, yeah, we are your lucky charm to bring you back. We said nothing bad about you. Just take my word for it. Don't check the tape at all, please. Uh, one thing that we are going to do that's a little bit different this week, we got a brand new segment. It's called Adjust the Rankings, where we talk about some players who are forcing their way up or maybe down, depending on how they're playing, our rankings for the week. And so, Ian, let's start off with a couple of young quarterbacks because Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud uh, Richardson, I know we had expectations for. I think Stroud, we were a little bit more cautious about. But there's no denying that through the first four weeks of the season, Ian, these guys have come and they've really showed out. Yeah, particularly, I mean, seeing the performance that Richardson put on during that comeback, eventual loss to the Rams, just gained an entirely new respect for him as a thrower of the football. Because again, we've been buying into the rushing upside from day one, and we've seen that now. Two full games, 10 carries in each of those games. We're getting the Shane Steichen red zone rushing usage. Everything is great on that side of things. But again, just actually watching the tape, seeing him throw a 40-yard rope to Alec Pierce off one leg, the scramble drill to Mo Alley-Cox, the two-point conversion. I I know, I know there are growing pains here. He is dead last in completion percentage, you know, over expected for a reason at this point, still allowing too many pressures to turn the sacks. But guys, when you have a quarterback who is already raw and just lacking experience coming into the year, already showing how great he can be outside of structure. Very, very exciting time for both Colts fans and lucky for us, fantasy managers alike. Yeah, it's been great watching him so far this season. Four rushing touchdowns in three games. That part is what we expected waiting for the passing to sort of come along. But certainly, uh, it hasn't been terrible seeing him throw the football so far this year. I mean, Dwayne, when you talk about his utilization and what the Colts are doing with him, can we start to talk about him as a high-end QB1? Or what is his ceiling right now? I think that's his upside. Like, if you drafted Anthony Richardson, you might have a player that can help you offset the person in your league that took Jalen Hurts in round two and round three. And that was always kind of the theory behind taking him. Would it actually work out that way? We didn't know some things needed to work in his favor, particularly need to show some improvements in the passing game, like what Ian just hit on. But right now, Marcus, he could even be better than he is. He's averaging 22.4 points per game. Well, in week one, he missed the final three snaps of the game. You're like, oh, well, that's no big deal. Well, it was a big deal because they were from the one yard line. He might have scored another <laughs> touchdown and he already had 22 points in the game. Week two, he gets knocked out after a quarter of play. He only played two snaps in the second quarter. He had 18 points when he left the game. Ian just mentioned week four. We got that full week of goodness, 28 fantasy points. So the 22.4 isn't even really a reflection of everything that he can do. He's averaging 0.79 fantasy points per dropback. Number two in the league is Lamar Jackson at 0.69. Josh Allen at 0.63. And I just quickly went back and looked at the history of guys to average 0.70 fantasy points per dropback or more. Jalen Hurts, 
Lamar Jackson times two, Cam Newton, and Robert Griffin III. That is pretty good company, and I dug in. I won't go through every stat here, Marcus. There's some great tools we're going to show everybody here in just a little bit that you can check out over on fantasylife.com. You can see all this utilization data for yourself, but really he checked all the boxes. But the big thing really being his involvement on the ground, he's getting 21% or 22% of the team's design rushing attempts. That group I just mentioned to you averaged 21%. He is scrambling on 8% of his dropbacks. The group I just mentioned, that comp group, they averaged 8.5% scramble rates over the, over the seasons where they were all top eight quarterbacks and they averaged 25 fantasy points per game. So if you have Anthony Richardson, you love him. If you don't, go buy high. Go buy high right now. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and Friedman, he talks about buying high. I mean, how, how hard is it going to be to try to pry Anthony Richardson away from a fantasy manager that has him right now? That's a good question because whoever invested in him did so strategically, right? Like if you went out and got Anthony Richardson, I think you probably made the decision of passing on all of the quarterbacks before him. And you were going to take the approach of investing your early capital elsewhere and hoping that you found a guy later in the draft who could return uh, elite production. And that's what you're getting with Anthony Richardson right now. So I think it would actually be pretty hard to trade him. Like in the leagues, the managed leagues where I would have him, I really wouldn't be interested in trading him unless I was getting something really significant back. And I have him at number six in the rankings right now, just thinking about what he could do this week against a Titans team that really is not all that great on defense when it comes to passing allowed to quarterbacks. And so we know what Richardson can do on the ground. But if he can start to, you know, put together a couple of games where he exceeds expectations as a passer, then we're talking about a guy who's like top three in his upside. So, uh, I mean, I would be trading for him if I could, but I think it would be really hard to get him. Here are the trades that have gone down this week in Yahoo for Anthony Richardson. Brees Hall, straight up. Zay Flowers, straight up. Jordan Addison, straight up. Christian Watson, straight up. Gabe Davis straight up, Alexander Madison straight up, Nico Collins straight up, Hank Dell straight up, Ramondre Stevenson straight up, Aaron Jones straight up. There were some more expensive ones, uh, Devin Achan, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, but a ton of people are trading him, and I think what you have to remember is a lot of people in home leagues draft two quarterbacks. We don't always see that in some of the bigger leagues that we might play in, and so what happens is the person that already has Jalen Hurts or already has Josh Allen they got to round 11, and they're like, well, I don't really know who any of these people are. I heard of this guy. I'll take Anthony Richardson. He's a rookie quarterback. And so it's really about understanding your league. Um, to, to Friedman's point, if you're playing in a really sharp league, you probably did have a drafter strategically do this. But I checked in with my son on the same thing. I'm like, who has Anthony Richardson in your league? It's the Jalen Hurts manager. So he's knocking on the door to see what he can do. So obviously, Anthony Richardson is moving up the ranks without a doubt. But the CJ Stroud, Ian, I mean, he's come out and he's been firing. And I thought this time last week, I said, you know what, C.J. Stroud's a guy you go pick up, you stash, the bye weeks are coming. But I was admittedly sort of hesitant about recommending that you start him against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he went out and he had himself another day so far this season. Six touchdown passes, no interceptions. Are we bold enough to maybe start moving him into the top 12 of fantasy quarterbacks? 
It's what he's been for the last three weeks now, man. QB 13, QB 12, and QB 10 finishes over these past three weeks of action. Nobody has thrown for more passing yards than the Ohio State talent during that time period. So that's the incredible part to me because, I mean, seeing the early season returns, and it was like, all right, great. You know, he's playing better than Bryce Young. He's throwing better than Anthony Richardson. We're past the point of just comparing him to rookie quarterbacks now. I mean, this Texans passing game, seventh in explosive pass play rate and just third in raw yards per attempt this season, making absolute magic happen with the football. But at some point, guys, like, look, don't get me wrong. Like, I love Ohio State. I'll hype up Stroud every single day out here. But Bobby Slowick, their new offensive coordinator, really making some great things happen out there because this offensive line, the amount of injuries going on. I mean, we have backups, backups playing out there right now, and they just really haven't missed a beat. So you see the well-schemed offense all the way around. I mean, right now, top three offenses in terms of yards after the catch per completion. You got your Dolphins, you got your Chiefs, and you got your Houston Texans right there at the top. So it's a wild time to be alive seeing, again, this offense clicking both with talent and great scheme behind. I'm hoping to see that, you know, continue to go against the Falcons defense that admittedly has been pretty great this year on their way to allowing no offenses to go for even 250 passing yards through four weeks of action. So, I mean, Dwayne, talk about how he's doing it because he's doing it very differently than Anthony Richardson. We talk about Richardson and his rushing prowess. Uh, CJ Stroud has been more of the traditional pocket passer so far this season. Yeah, listen to this, Marcus. Since 2000, here are the quarterbacks that average at least 290 yards passing or more in their first four starts in the NFL. Cam Newton, CJ Stroud is number two. Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good list to be on. So I think if you're a Houston Texans fan, you should be feeling pretty good right now. I will say there's been several broken plays where you've got guys like Nico Collins um, breaking long you know, plays where it wasn't even necessarily contested. It wasn't even a deep ball where you had to make a great catch, like just some bad coverage. Tank Dell also has a busted coverage touchdown. So some of these things are going to regress. But to Ian's point, like they've got some nice things going on with the coordinator. And Marcus, their offensive line, it's been decimated. They're going to get their two starting tackles back this week. Now they lose a guard. Like their, their luck on the injury front has been terrible, but they're getting healthier. And so I think this is an offense that will continue to put up points. He's in a really good groove with these young wide receivers. You have Robert Woods kind of as the glue. You know, Ian's favorite tight end, Dalton Schultz, is also on this team. So we can't forget that. And uh, I, I think it's an offense that I want to be part of. Like, they're middle of the pack now. Last year, one of the worst in the league. This is one of the most surprising developments, honestly, in the early 2023 season. And I think we do need to buy into it. I mean, Freeman, do you agree? I mean, at some point, we believe he's going to throw an interception. There are going to be some down games. That's just the nature of the sport. Uh, but over the long haul, can we believe in C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I mean, Bobby Slowick has brought with him some of that Shanahan magic from San Francisco. Like, Slowick, like, if he keeps this up, he's going to be a head coach next year. He's been incredibly impressive. Ian mentioned it. Dwayne mentioned it with how he has schemed that offense around incredible injuries that they have had on the offensive line. And C.J. Stroud is very much playing within the structure of what they have going. And Bobby Slowick is scheming up for him some pretty open wide receivers, which is making his job easier. So I think we see Stroud continue to develop because he doesn't have the high end rushing ability, or at least we haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm not as optimistic with him as I am with Anthony Richardson, just in terms of his fantasy upside. But in terms of what he is as a real life pocket passing quarterback, 
I mean, I would say the Texans got lucky that they fell to number two uh, in the standings and that CJ Stroud fell to them because if they had the number one pick, they probably would have taken Bryce Young. And that's not to say that like Young couldn't have success within this offense, but we know with Stroud that they have something that works really well. So far, CJ Stroud, the first player in NFL history with 1,200 or more passing yards and no interceptions over his first four career games. Uh, and hey, look, maybe in the end, Lovey Smith did them a favor by, by winning that game at the end of the season and dropping them to the number two spot uh, there in the, the draft order. Uh, look, we got plenty to talk about here on this show. We're going to dive into some utilization stuff coming up in a little bit when Kendall Valenzuela stops by to join us. But uh, first, Ian, always want to talk about our good friends over at WebEx. Uh, I know Kendall's got the Borg Pro 70. You've got a great big monitor back there that does all sorts of wonderful things. Let the folks know uh, about the goodness that that is WebEx. Yeah, shout out WebEx. And of course, it's Borg Pro 75. Absolutely beautiful. And don't get me wrong, guys. I'm watching this you know, thing using it as TV and video games and all that. But truly, you can do so much more with it. I mean, I'm able to hook up my laptop and basically go through all my fantasy teams, the waiver wire, look at trades. And I mean, just having this sort of technology there, it's no wonder my friends hate having me in their leagues at this point. So, you know, I'm scheming with Dwayne <laughs> gotten his, you know, beautiful hair and 75 inches of high def over there in my living room. Room. My fiance absolutely despises how often I am using this thing. But again, I'm just helping out our sponsor WebEx, so I will not apologize for any of that. So again, can't say enough good things about them. And also their event coming up, guys, WebEx One in Anaheim, going to be October 24th through 26th. And because you are a loyal listener to the Fantasy Life podcast, you can get 50% off Full pass tickets with code WX1WOW50. But hey, maybe you're not, you know, lucky enough to live in Cali like some of our, you know, hosts on this very show. And you just have to go virtually. That is fine because virtual registration is now open and free for anyone. So if you happen to be in Anaheim, that's awesome. They're going to have Neil deGrasse Tyson. They're going to have Robert De Niro. They're even going to have Fantasy Life's own CEO, Elliot Christ, up there making a good time happen. So again, in Anaheim, WX1WOW50. But if not, got that free virtual registration right there along so shout out webex and thank you guys again for this beautiful board pro 75 let's talk some utilization shall we and to help us do that we welcome in the one and only kindle valenzuela standing right there next to the beautiful board pro 75 and uh kindle let's let's start with devon hn because he's sort of the new hotness down there in south florida i mean the young running back has come in couple of big games back to back let's sort of dive into and, and have you and Dwayne kind of tell us how exactly it's happening there yeah absolutely let's get into it and of course everything from the utilization report that we are talking about today is on fantasylife.com you're going to see it on this big beautiful board pro 75 um this is mine though i'm sorry i uh, can't share that but we will share utilization report information so Dwayne, i do want to start with achan like marcus said i want to go through what you've seen here because i'm looking at week four right now looking at uh the the snapshot looking at 66 percent looking at the rush attempts sitting at 47 percent i mean everything just seems to be falling in line for HN and company over there with Miami. This is so cool. I feel like you're giving a forecast and, and things are looking really good for HN. Look, if you play fantasy football, you guys are watching this right now and you're like, who are these two nitwits on here trying to tell me HN's good? I know this. He's averaging 39 points over the last two games and you would be right. But the key thing is we want to know is can he keep that up? And while he is due for some regression, you can't always break off an 80 yard touchdown run every time you touch the ball 
we did see HN take over a larger portion of the Dolphins' workload last weekend. He got to 66% of the snaps. As Kendall mentioned, we had Raheem Mostert at 41%. He did fumble in the first half, so that could be playing a little bit playing a little bit of a role here. But with HN, also the really impressive thing here, Kendall, 68% route participation, because that's been an area where Mostert has been really good. And, and the route participation matters, because obviously if you're on the field, on passing plays, you have a better chance to earn targets. And when we look at HN last week, he was at a 13% target share. So when you start adding it all up, you get the rushing attempts, you get a few carries mixed in, and you can hit the big plays on one of the best offenses in the NFL. It is a really bright future for A-Chan. Hopefully, you guys grabbed him off the waiver wire, or some of you, I know, you were smart enough, you just drafted him in the first place. <laughs> Has to be like the waiver wire darling, right, Dwayne? That's that's one where you just say, yeah, you know, I, I drafted uh, Devin A-Chan before. It was really cool. And I think it's a really good call. You know, mid-range RB2 with uh, RB1 spike week potential is kind of what you wrote about him in the utilization report. But two guys that I know are really high on A-Chan going into this week, Marcus, are Matthew Friedman and Ian Harditz. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't pretend to be a Devin, uh, Devin A. Chan hipster here. Like, I don't know that I drafted him before it was cool. But you know what? It's never too late to jump on the bandwagon. And so, Freeman, we'll start with you. I mean, are you ready to put him in your top 12 of fantasy running backs right now? Yeah, I'm at number nine. And, I mean, I wish I could put him even a little bit higher uh, you can't for the utilization reasons that Dwayne mentioned, but he is getting enough usage comfortably, I think, especially now that bye weeks have started to be able to put him in the top 12. Uh, he's someone I highlighted in my Friedman's Favorites article. You look at what he's done the past two weeks, 26 carries, nine targets. That's enough uh, given his overall talent, like Chris Johnson type of talent to be able to be a RB1. And then you look at the matchup he has going against the Giants, who are number 24 in defensive rush EPA. Yeah, he's top 12 for me. Uh, Ian, same thing? You got him top 12? Yeah, I got to agree with Freeman on this one, I guess. I have him just a tad lower at RV12, but <laughs> seriously, it is the perfect marriage of pretty much the four variables that we look to for any fantasy football analysis. The town is there. My God, two of the five fastest runs of the entire season per next-gen stats, and Dwayne's original RB4 in his rookie supermodel even before the draft happened. The offense. Nobody uses more shift in motion than Mike McDaniel's Dolphins, number one in the league scoring for a reason. Even the utilization, like, okay, no, we're not quite getting you know the Kyron Williams every snap roll but we can still take 15 plus combined carries and targets per game in this sort of offense and then finally that sweet sweet matchup bottom 10 defense and fantasy points per game the running backs third worst scoring defense come on you guys have seen that Giants defense at least at one point this year they are miserable if you're not having him in your lineup this week I really really advise you guys to get out of that four-man league you're playing in yeah, exactly. I don't know how you cannot have Devin Achan in your starting lineups this week. So, uh, so Kendall, we go from a new face down in Miami to a very familiar face over in New Orleans. Alvin Kamara was back last week, and it didn't take long for him to start looking like Alvin Kamara, at least in terms of the utilization, right? 
No, no, it didn't. Uh, you know, again, fantasylife.com for the utilization report. And I'm going to just zoom in here on Alvin Kamara and what he looked like in week four. But Dwayne, I mean, this is awesome. He came back and he dominated that backfield. There was no question about it. I'm looking here, you know, uh, snap percentage, 75% rushing attempts, took 61% of the rushing attempts. Um, what did you see from Alvin Kamara? I mean, it just, it really does. Dwayne just seemed like he dominated uh, his week four return. Yeah, this looks like his role from 2020. The question is, like, can he hold up? Um, can he get back some of that explosiveness that was missing from his game last year? We can't really hold week one against him uh, back in the lineup because we had Derek Carr battling that shoulder injury. It just wasn't a very explosive offense last week, but he led the team in targets. He had a 37% target share. This is a guy that historically is in that 25 to 27% targets per route run. And that that clearly that was that was the case again this week. Now, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, they're going to be engaged in the offense. But the big thing here, Kendall, we will eventually get Jamal Williams back. He'll probably eat into some of that when the when you see the words SDD, that's short down and distance. And essentially what we're saying is, does the back get the carries when there's basically one to two yards to go third or fourth or second down? Because typically in that situation, the NFL, all teams run the ball. So we try to isolate down to the scenarios where we know a team wants to run. That also correlates highly with, do you get the ball when you're inside the five-yard line? So you want those scoring opportunities. I think Kamara will lose some of those opportunities when Jamal Williams comes back. But importantly, that two-minute offense. That's how a guy like Austin Eckler can have eight fantasy points for you. You're sitting there at the end of the game. You're like, man, I'm going to lose my matchup this week. Eckler hasn't done anything. And in the last two, three, four minutes of the game, all of a sudden you look up, you have 22 points. What happens? The defense goes into a prevent defense, prevent defense. They're playing a shell coverage. And Justin Herbert checks the ball down, checks the ball down, checks the ball down. Suddenly you look up, you have five catches for 50 yards, and then Eckler gets a touchdown. And so that's the kind of thing that Kamara can still give you as well. And I think he will keep that role for the remainder of the season. So if you have him on your team, I look at him as a high-end running back two when Jamal Williams returns. Until that time, I think you look at him as a low-end running back one. I would like him better if Derek Carr is healthy and we know that the ceiling for the offense is there as far as scoring points. I don't know that will be the case this weekend, Kendall. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Marcus, maybe maybe people in standard leagues with Alvin Kamara are not on the same page as us in, in maybe PPR because that was a totally different <laughs> week. But you can't deny the utilization that Dwayne put out there. No, absolutely not. I mean, the 21 points in PPR, thanks to 13 catches, uh, we'll ignore the 33 yards part of it. But we like what they were doing in terms of getting him back integrated into the offense. Meanwhile, in Green Bay, Romeo Dobbs last year kind of got off to a decent start, then sort of faded. This year, Kendall, it looks like Dobbs is sort of off and running. I know Christian Watson is back, but at least for the first three-plus weeks of the season, Dobbs has kind of been the man for Jordan Love in that passing game. I know, I know. It's going to, I think, towards the end of the season, this Green Bay Packers team might be one that we look back at and say, man, I think I needed to have a little bit more. So I think the question, Dwayne, that you put in the utilization report as the big text is, is Romeo Dobbs turning into a high-end target earner? Because you can see the first week and, and how it landed out. And then ever since then, I've just seen upticks every single week looking at Romeo Dobbs and his utilization. So what have you been seeing with Dobbs and the Packers right now? Yeah, and I think with those first two weeks, it's just really important to remember he was battling a hamstring injury, so he picked that up late in the preseason. We didn't know if he was even going to play in week one, and he did battle through that. But these last two games, you can tell that he's getting healthier. 
You can also see in the utilization, the route participation is increasing. He's been out there for 86 and 88% of the Green Bay Packers passing plays. And wow, what he's done over those two games, target shares of 26% and 38%. Those are absolute elite numbers. Now, it can be really hard to tell if that's just a spike or if that's something that can carry on. Last year as a rookie, Dobbs had a 21% targets per route run. That's wide receiver three worthy historically, if you go back and compare him to other wide receivers that, that had that sort of a mark as a rookie. So we knew that Romeo Dobbs had an opportunity to maybe be a wide receiver four, wide receiver three this fantasy season. But if he continues taking this next step forward, yes, he's moving into that low end range wide receiver two area for me now. We do get Christian Watson back. He came back last game, but he only played half of the routes. He should be in a more expanded role. Also, Jaden Reed has played well. Luke Musgrave is a promising-looking rookie at tight end, not earning a ton of targets, but there are more mouths to feed. We also have Jordan Love, who's been very inaccurate. Yes, they've come through with some big plays. So there, there are a few things with Romeo Dobbs that still have me a little bit concerned, but I think he's pushing to be into that wide receiver two conversation right now. I don't know, Marcus. It just seems like, you know, with Dwayne's utilization and everything we're looking at, I know Jordan Love's been inaccurate, but maybe this is a, a Packers team that's so young that we could get really excited about four years to come with fantasy. No, it actually looks like, looks like there's something building there uh, for the Packers and for that passing game. Meanwhile, in Denver, I mean, right now, everything that people are talking about is basically about the defense and how poor it has been and sort of overlooked some of the things that have been a little bit faulty about the offense, namely Jerry Judy. He still has not gotten going yet this year, and people are starting to get a little bit worried about him. Cortland Sutton has sort of been up and down. I mean, Kendall, any insight as to what is happening in the Mile High City with Judy? Oh my gosh, the, the Denver, Denver Broncos fans deserve more. Broncos country deserves more. I don't know. I, I was ready to write them off and then they came back against the Bears and I said, okay, maybe the kitchen isn't totally closed in Denver, but Dwayne, I'm really interested to see what you have to say about Jerry Judy because we can look here with, uh, you know, the, the the routes, the targets per route run, uh, the, the target share. I mean, what have you been seeing? Because right now there's even rumors that Jerry Judy could potentially be traded by the deadline. So I'm curious as to how he's been doing in the utilization department. Yeah, so Judy, it's not been great. Um, he's been battling that hamstring injury that he also picked up, similar to Romeo Dobbs late in the preseason. So we don't know how much of that's having a lingering effect, but he's trending in the wrong direction, Kendall. His route participation in week two, 86%, week three down to 82%, 77% last week. And this is a team that knows they need to get Marvin Mims on the field. Mims has been an electric rookie when, they, when able to get onto the field. He had a 39% route participation last week, and that was a season high for him. And his targets per route run, 28%. And he meshes really well with Russell Wilson's game. This is a guy that can get down the field. He can work the vertical crossing routes. He got loose multiple times in his career at Oklahoma um, able to beat, get over the top of safeties and a second level defender with a cornerback there as well. So this is a guy that can do some real things. And the Broncos, clearly their defense is terrible. So they've got to score points. So they have to find a way to get a guy like Mims on the field. And right now, it looks like that could be coming at the expense of Jerry Judy. We never just want to throw our hands up on a talent like Judy. I, I think there could still be some things going on with the injury here. But right now, definitely not trending in the right direction, Kendall. Yeah, and Marcus, something that's really cool that I'm excited that we get to share with everyone today is the players that we talked about. We now have a new tool that can compare utilization across different players if you're looking into it. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, we had the utilization tool, which is already a great thing. I can tell you that I use it plenty uh, when I'm doing my research and looking things up. But now we can compare players across teams one to the other. So, for instance, we just talked about Devon Achan, Alvin Kamara, and Romeo Dobbs. You plug them in, you can see who's getting the most utilization, kind of figure out which guys you want. Maybe it's somebody you want to make a trade for. Maybe you're trying to figure out some lineup decisions. Uh, this goes a long way toward helping you. I mean, Dwayne, this thing is is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is awesome to see all of this coming to life. And again, totally free over at fantasylife.com. But you can see here, you just come in quickly and you just enter in up to four players. You're looking at running backs. You've put in Kamara, Achan, and Raheem Mostert. And this is just focused on their utilization. You can see Kendall, she's smart. She's already got this isolated down to week three and week four because we know Kamara didn't come back until week four. Achan didn't really get involved in the Miami offense until week three. And you can see, Let's start with Achan and Mostert. We talked about them a minute ago. You can see Achan's ahead, 54% of the snaps, 44% of the rushing attempts to 36%. But if we're comparing all three, it really quickly shows you has, who has the most robust role. Now, this doesn't always mean that's going to be the player that's going to score the most fantasy points. But typically, fantasy points, especially at running back, it does follow the volume. Ian will tell you that for sure. Yes, we're probably all going to have Achan slightly higher than Camaro this week in the ranks. So you can also always refer to the rankings over at fantasylife.com and our projections as well. Ian, I want to ask you too, because, you know, this tool is, first of all, completely awesome. Um, but I, I just want to throw it to you because I know you're always tweeting. You're always doing uh, this this stuff with, with fantasy information, with the utilization reports. So I just want to know your thoughts on this tool and just how this could be a real game changer for people. Yeah, I've always said, you know, utilization might just be one piece of the puzzle, but damn, guys, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest piece of said puzzle. So to, again, have all this just at the tips of our fingers in terms of the pass game usage and all the rush attempts and even the snaps, I mean, it just made my process so much faster from start to finish. So shout out to Dwayne for getting his brainchild all these years live and on the site for all of us to use, you know, still free somehow in this economy, no less. So I'll continue to take advantage of that. So there it is, the utilization comparison tool, just one of a growing number of suite of tools you can find over at fantasylife.com. Thanks to Kendall Valenzuela for hanging out with us and showing us the goodness uh, of the tool there on the Board Pro 75. In the meantime, turn it over to Matthew Berry, Golden Tate, to take us through what might be happening in La La Land with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. All right, thank you, Marcus. I am here with our very own wide receiver, All-Pro and Super Bowl champion, Golden Tate. All right, Golden. I'm very excited, and I'm excited to talk to you about this, okay? Because, listen, you're a wide receiver. I like wide receivers. We have that in common. And possibly my favorite wide receiver in the NFL, my little Cooper Cup, has been, uh, he is eligible to come back. He's been on the IR four weeks. He's been out for the year. Now, as of this taping, it hasn't been officially announced that he is going to play this week. But the idea here is, at least as far as we know, as of this taping, he should be back sooner rather than later. So I'm really excited about this. I think what's interesting, however, is that while he's been out, it's been all about Puka Nakua, right? Puka Nakua, he's one of only two wide receivers in the NFL with over 500 receiving yards, him and Justin Jefferson. He's one of only two wide receivers in the NFL with over 50 targets, him and Devontae Adams, right? He's got a 32.5% target share. He's been nothing short of otherworldly. So here's my question. He's going to have Matthew Stafford throwing to him, just like Puka Nakua, has Matthew Stafford throwing to him. You played with Matthew Stafford. You played with him in Detroit for many, many years. You know him better than 
well, certainly me and a lot of people in the NFL. So talk to me, Golden. How possible is it for Matthew Stafford to support two very fantasy-relevant wide receivers? You know, Matthew, um, it's more than possible. It's it's very likely, in my opinion. Playing with Stafford, who can make any throw, who's smart, tough as nails. We, I, I played with Calvin Johnson for a few years, and we both went for 1,000 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Played with Marvin Jones a few years where we both had – a thousand yards, if not very close to a thousand yards. So it's very possible. Now you bring another element into this Sean McVay. He's going to find a way to get his guys the ball and he's going to create matchups like no other concepts that we've never seen. And it's going to be to highlight these two players. You might be seeing them on opposite sides. You might be seeing them in a bunch together. You might be seeing them one in the backfield doing some crazy stuff. But look, I can reassure you that Sean McVay is going to feed his guys and feed them well. And also, the last thing, you toss in Kyron Williams, who's been running the ball very efficiently, and really that entire offense has been running the ball efficiently. You got some – some they can light it up a little bit. And if I know anything about fall, and I, I've got a good feel for Cooper Cup, he's not been on the field – but I can tell you right now, Cooper Cup has been mentally getting sharp, and he's also been pouring into Puka. So Puka is just a younger version of Cooper in a way. He really is. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Golden, because he is. I mean, like sort of we joke about this a lot, but, you know, one of the reasons why Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have such a connection, it's not just their on-field relationship, it's their off-the-field relationship. Both guys are religious. They have this thing called the Breakfast Club where they, they have breakfast together every single morning. Well, guess who joined the Breakfast Club this year? Puka Nakua, I swear to God. So that's been breakfast every morning this year. Matthew Stafford, Puka Nakua, and Cooper Cup, even when he's rehabbing, they're all eating breakfast together. So there is that mental connection. We know that there'll be an on-field one. By the way, I think you're selling yourself short. Get this. I just uh, You're not going to brag on yourself because you're too humble, but let me do it for you. <laughs> 2014, Golden Tate had 99 receptions for the Detroit Lions. Calvin Johnson, 71. Nine, 2014, Golden Tate had 1,331 receiving yards. Calvin Johnson, 1,077. More receptions, more yards than Megatron. So, you know, Megatron, no slouch himself, but don't sell yourself <laughs> short, Golden Tate. Just some monster season. And as you said, Matthew Stafford absolutely can feed two fantasy superstars here as well. My expectation is, again, the first time that we know Cooper Cup is active, I'll probably still rank Puka Nakua ahead of Cooper Cup because I want to see, you know, is he fully back to uh, speed? Is he going to play a full complement of snaps? How's it going to go? But yeah, if I have Puka Nakua, you're playing with house money. Don't worry about Cooper Cup coming back. You're not going to get a 32.5% target share, but that's okay. You don't need one to be that productive. Today's NFL allows for a lot of passing. Um, uh, Sean McVay, very creative, as you said. I think you're going to see kind of a Cooper Cup, Robert Woods situation here with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. Both guys were very productive, top 20 fantasy wide receivers for a number of years. I think they'll be that way again. Both guys, top 20 fantasy wide receivers for me the rest of the way as soon as Cooper Cup comes back. Now, that is my question, though. Though I said I'd have Nakua over Cup because I want to see how healthy he is. Will he get a full complement of snaps? He's coming off of a very serious hamstring injury, a Golden. So talk to me about the recovery time for a wide receiver with a hamstring injury. Is 
are you ever limited in your routes? Do you ever feel like, ah, maybe I can't push the extra mile? Or you, do you think they'll try to keep him more in, uh, in the underneath stuff where he's not really stretching it? Talk to me about uh, your own experiences with hamstring injuries and how difficult it is for a wide receiver at his caliber to come back from this. Absolutely. And Matthew, I completely agree with having Puka ranked higher than uh, Cooper, especially as he gets back in the swing of things. But you really got to you got to think about this for a second. Uh, we what we're hoping is not going to happen is that it's going to be like one of those Julio Jones situations where it was like multiple years of that hammy bothering him and not being able to get over that hump. And ultimately, it's kind of why he's not really around much. So we're hoping it's not that type of hammy injury, but he has not played since week 10 of last year. He hasn't seen any action since week 10 of last year. The speed of the game as we get older gets faster for sure. Um, so I, you know, I'm a little worried with if he's going to be a little rusty with not with the lack of reps. Um, but I do know Cooper's very smart and he majors in the slot. In the slot, you don't really have to open up as much as someone like on the outside like Calvin Ridley. So he kind of he can kind of manipulate. And if I'm Sean McVay, I'm not having him run whirl routes. And a roll route is something where you sell like a shallow cross, hit the brakes and go back out because that can be very, very taxing on your hammies. But I'm going to get him. I'm going to start getting his feet wet. I'm going to start getting him some simple concepts, just letting him gain that confidence back because these hammies are nothing to mess with. There's been times when I was younger that uh, I, th I felt like my hammy was was back to normal. And then, boom, I feel that small little pull, pull. And that small little pull usually ends up being something detrimental down the road. Uh, so you really got to really take care of those bad boys. And and this it actually reminds me of, um, I was my last year in, in uh, with the Giants, COVID year, the worst year of NFL football for me. But um, I ended up pulling my hammy like two weeks before the season started. So in, in, in training camp, and I was super bummed. Uh, mine was a grade two. I ended up missing the first game of the season, obviously those last two weeks of, of camp. And I definitely noticed the difference in like the speed of the game, how I felt. I know mentally I was thinking, I don't know if I can make this break that I'm used to because I feel like I'm coming back a little bit too soon. And so you're just a little hesitant until something happens where you, where you can't control it. I can't control that I get jammed and my hammy is full-blown like executed and and fired but that's what it's going to take um so ease him into it let him get his feet wet give him something that's you know like a screenplay let him get going but don't have him running these wild routes and i think what's really helpful here is that so far the rams have been really smart with the cooper cup remember he was in the preseason like we're going to take it cautious but we think he'll be there for a week you know opening game and then like, ah, you know what? Doesn't look like he's going to be able to make it. So we're just, he's going to miss the first week. And then like, you know what? Actually, no, we're going to put him on IR. Let him, uh, let him come back. And I think what's nice for, while it's been frustrating, obviously not to have Cooper Cup out there. The fact is the emergence of Puka Nakua. How about Tutu Atwell as well? And how Matthew Stafford has played. The Rams are three and one. So they can, they have a little bit of, uh, you know, cushion here. They don't need to say like, oh, hey, please, Cooper Cup, come back and save our season. You're all we've got, which I think was probably the expectation at the beginning of the year. Oh, no, no, no. They, they found something in this passing offense. Obviously, Kyron Williams as well with the run game. The defense is playing better as well. So, yes, the expectation here is that they will ease Cooper Cup back in. Uh, it'll be okay for the Rams uh, as, they, uh, as they gear up and uh, try to compete 
in a very tough division. So excited about that. Eventually, I think I'll have Cup over Puka Nakua, but for the first week, the Cup is back. Nakua over Cup, both top 20 guys. Golden, thanks so much to uh, you. Congratulations to your Notre Dame Fighting Irish, big win, big comeback win against Duke this past weekend. It was a nice victory uh, for you guys. It was a little dicey there for a second, man. It was a, a little dicey, but uh, a gutty comeback uh, for the Irish, uh, and we'll see you back here next week. Now we throw it to our friend, Marcus Grant. Time to turn our attention more toward the betting life. And to do that, we bring in Matthew Friedman. Of course, you can check out the Betting Life newsletter. It comes out three times per week, Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays for the low, low price of free 99. Plenty of good stuff in there to help you uh, with any picks you may be making for the weekend. But uh, Friedman, you've got three picks of your own. So let's get into the first one. The Falcons, who offensively are sort of a mess. They looked awful in London last week against the Jaguars. Uh, they are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, though, against the Houston Texans. What do you like there? I mean, I don't like the Falcons. I mean, that, that's for sure. They've looked terrible, as you <laughs> mentioned. But I feel compelled to bet on them. This is a buy-low spot. They've lost two games in a row on the road while scoring just 13 points. Uh, now they have to return home from London. So a tough travel situation, but they are at home and they have a significant ground game advantage against the Texans on offense. The Falcons are number eight in rush EPA and numbers 10, number 10 in rush DVOA. Whereas the Texans defense is numbers 25 and 28 in those situations. So a buy low spot on the Falcons, slight home favorites. I think this number should be closer to three than it is. So I would bet it all the way to two and a half. All right. So we got the Falcons right there. Next up, the Rams. They are at home against the Eagles. And you know, look at Los Angeles has played well. We'll see whether or not they have Cooper Cup back this week. But uh, you like the Rams as a four and a half point dog in this one, huh? Yeah, and you know, I'll talk about them again in a later segment. That's teasing the teasing segment. This is like, you know, next level type of stuff that I just did there. But I talked about so the Rams meta. in the <laughs> I talked about the Rams in the week four Thursday betting life newsletter. I'm high on them compared to the market. Uh, you know, we look at what they've done without Cooper Cup, and they've still been a top twelve offense in EPA, success rate, DVOA. And I think there's a pretty good chance that Cup is going to return to action this week. The Rams are still the only team in the league undefeated against the spread this year. And I like the matchups that they have at the wide receiver position. If Cooper Cup does return in the slot, he's going to be going against James Bradbury, who's a perimeter player playing in the interior. I don't think he has the shiftiness to stick with Cooper Cup. And then on the outside, you have a backup cornerback, Josh Job, who's now playing there because Bradbury's in the slot. And he's, I think, going to struggle against Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell on the perimeter. So I think a pretty strong, pretty strong situation for the Rams at home. I have this projected at 2.6. I would bet it all the way to three and a half. I'll say this, the Eagles defensive front, that those guys up front have been pretty fierce so far. But the back part of the defense, not quite as fearsome. Uh, not quite as scary as it has been in years past. Uh, one more, Vikings and the Chiefs. This, on paper, has the potential to be a score fest. Uh, Vikings, a five-and-a-half-point underdog in this one. And uh, you think maybe they uh, they stay close in this, huh? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they have punished themselves with inopportune turnovers. That has dragged down some of their numbers. But on offense, they've been number eight in success rate, number three in yards per play. Like, they can move the ball. 
And as great as quarterback Patrick Mahomes has been for the Chiefs, he has a propensity in the regular season not to score as many points as possible. And that has enabled opposing underdogs of more than a field goal to go 36, 21, and eight against the spread. And like we literally saw it this past week on Sunday Night Football, Mahomes strategically passed up points, which enabled the Jets to cover. We could see something similar again this week. I have this projected at 3.8. I would bet it all the way to four and a half. Yeah, I'm sure plenty of fantasy managers and bettors alike had heartburn when they saw Patrick Mahomes slide down before the goal line. It's the smart football play. We don't care. We want points. That's all we really want. That's all we're asking for. Uh, so there you go. Those are Friedman's uh, top bets for the weekend here in week five. That gets us the return of a new favorite. New favorite? Old favorite? New favorite. Uh, it's just teasing. Watching Ian and Friedman yank on whatever that thing is that they're fighting over. It never gets old. It's uh, still very saved by the bell vibes there. So, uh, Ian, you are the teaser master. So what is it that you're looking at this weekend? Yeah, you know, by teaser master, I do enjoy responsibly losing a little bit of my money more weeks than not on them. But what's football without having a little bit of fun sometimes, guys? So, yes, this week I will be like to nominate the Cowboys Sunday night football, taking this one from plus three and a half all the way down to plus nine and a half. So, no, I'm not overly confident in Dak Prescott getting, you know, that 49ers victory off of his back at this point. That said, this Cowboys defense has really played the 49ers tough now in each of their last two meetings, the 19 to 12 game last year and then even the 23-17 contest I mean holding this offense under 30 points is a miracle more weeks than not Cowboys have really done it with ease in both of those meetings so again Micah Parsons and company so far and away the best defense in the league right now and pressure and more importantly havoc across all three downs so for me this 49ers offensive line has been the one small weak spot look no one's going to debate Trent Williams standing as one of the best players in the NFL but at the end of the day tied with the Bengals for the fastest average time to pressure in the league and a bottom eight offensive line in terms of PFF pass blocking grades. So I think this will be a tight one. Probably got to give the 49ers the benefit of the doubt in terms of getting that victory. But with nine and a half points, I think the Cowboys keep it close enough. All right, Friedman, uh, what are you looking at in this one? So I, uh, I agree with Ian on, you know, liking the Cowboys. I have the Cowboys, a bet on the Cowboys at plus three and a half because I hate myself as a Cowboys fan. Uh, and I'm going to round out the teaser. And by the way, it's going to be so tilting for us, Ian, when the Cowboys lose by 10. But I'm going to round out the teaser here uh, with, I mentioned it earlier, Rams plus four and a half, taking it up to 10 and a half. I like uh, the Rams in the spot, as I mentioned earlier. And I like getting through two key numbers. So going through seven, going through 10. So even if the Rams have something of a meltdown against the Eagles, maybe they lose by 10 and we can still cash on the teaser here. All right. So, I mean, Dwayne, I, I've got to get your, your thoughts on this one here. I mean, are, are they crazy? Does this look like something that could possibly work out for them? Man, I don't do teasers. I, I can't bet in my state. So honestly, like I don't even really worry about like straight up bets, much less ones where I've got to string together all these different things <laughs> and I get to move around. Look, I think it's awesome because Ian's trying to have fun and Friedman doesn't want to have fun. So I just enjoy watching <laughs> these two people like battle <laughs> around what they should do for these bets. And that's more entertaining than any bet that I could place, Marcus. You know, I, I agree. It is sort of the Rube Goldberg device of, uh, of sports betting, watching these two trying to put together something for the weekend. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to kind of watch these games. I think both of them should be fairly entertaining. Uh, Cowboys 49ers, for my money, is on, is the best game, at least on paper, uh, coming up this weekend, which seems like a perfect way to get us to our primetime staff picks for week five, the three primetime games this week. We got the Bears and the Commanders on Thursday night football. We've got the Cowboys and the 49ers on Sunday night football. And we got the Packers and the Raiders in Las Vegas on Monday night football. Now, in the past, we've let Friedman go last. And he sort of gamed the system and seen what everybody else was picking and sort of changed his picks to uh, fit and, and try to get an advantage over all of us. So we're taking away that home field advantage, Friedman. We're going to make you go first. So you have to tell us now, who are you picking in these primetime games? I mean, the funny thing is you act like I still can't change my picks, even though I'm going first. We all see what we have written in the outline. So if other people want to change picks, that's fine. They can do that. But uh, I'm, I'm still retaining my right to change picks, especially because I'm one Ooh. of the earlier people to get my stuff in the outline. <laughs> that's a fact. All right. On Thursday Night Football, I'm going chalk here. The Washington Commanders. I mean, the Bears are power rated by almost everyone universally uh, across the industry as the worst team in the league. And they probably really are the worst team in the league. So comfortably taking the Commanders on Thursday Night Football. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the teaser we have going with the Cowboys. But uh, for Sunday Night Football, hate to do it going with the 49ers. But on Monday Night Football, I am calling the audible. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I know on the screen it says the Raiders. I am going with the Packers. So it doesn't even matter. He's still he's still he's still pulling a fast one on us, guys, uh, and changing his picks on the fly. Uh, Ian, would you like to stay with what you put in the outline, or are you going to maybe call an audible as well? What's the point of having an outline at this point? If Freeman's just going to pull whatever <laughs> out of his butt, you know, when it finally gets time to actually make him the pick. So I guess we'll just keep letting him cheat. I don't know. I actually have, you know, Freeman talks about putting in the picks early. I have enough respect for our producers to stick to the actual picks that we put in. How's that one for uh, Freeman helping out? But anyway, guys, back to the uh, topic at hand. I got Washington over the Bears because the last time the Bears won a football game was 346 days ago. And as much as everyone wants to crap all over the Broncos defense find all those same statistics that have the Broncos sitting at dead last in the league and one spot ahead of them in 31st place you'll find the Chicago Bears so as much as we want to blame everything on Justin Fields really more so just that absolutely abysmal defense over on Sunday night again I do think the Cowboys keep it close can't give them the outright victory though shout out to Brock Purdy and the 49ers 30 plus points in 10 of his 12 extended appearances since taken over under center really just have some concerns about that Cowboys red zone offense guys that's the key difference here we're saying what's going on with this group why they're not scoring more number one with over 70 percent of their red zone possessions ending in touchdowns last season right now 30th in terms of red zone touchdown percentage. So Kellen Moore and the Chargers, meanwhile, all the way up there at number six. And finally, Monday Night Football, I'm going to have to go with the Raiders over the Packers. I think Aiden Hutchinson and that Lions front seven really exposed that big weakness on the line of scrimmage for Green Bay. Max Crosby and company have an opportunity to do that once again. And as much as we might like some of these pass game options in Green Bay, like we talked about, small little detail there, guys. Jordan Love, um, dead last in completion percentage and adjusted completion percentage. Not good news when we should be getting a healthy Jimmy G back under center for the Raiders. All right, so Ian going with the Commanders, the 49ers, and the Raiders. Uh, Dwayne, what do you like for this weekend? 
Yeah, I will also go with the Commanders, and I will also stick with my picks because I also love everyone associated with our show, unlike Friedman. But I'm going with the Commanders for a lot of the reasons the guys already said. But look, they give up the third most passing yards per game. We know this is a league that's won through the air. They give up the third most passing touchdowns per game. So I look for a big game from Sam Howell, probably get one of the commanders wide receivers going off. I can't tell you for sure if it's going to be Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson, but both guys are due. Then we look at the 49ers versus the Cowboys. I'm going with the Cowboys because I'm a huge Cowboys fan. This should be a close contest. I do think the 49ers are the better overall team, but if we look at the one potential weakness of the 49ers, I think the Cowboys can exploit it. They are actually the seventh graded pass blocking unit Per PFF, and we look at the Cowboys in that pass rush, they are the third best. So I think the Cowboys can take advantage of that. They will need to stop the run early in the game because if they don't, that's going to take away the edge that they have um, with Micah Parsons and some of these other edge defenders. But I will take the Cowboys. And then the final game, I am going to take the Raiders over the Packers. Ian just kind of nailed it. I feel like Looking at the Packers, there's a lot of things that I like. I, we've talked about Romeo Dobbs on the show. We've talked about Christian Watson a little bit. Aaron Jones should be getting healthier. I like the weapons. My concern is the quarterback, and I feel like they've kind of been fortunate to do as well as they have so far. He's a very inaccurate quarterback. That can lead to long down and distance. Then your problems seem to multiply. It's a game on the road. We've got Max Crosby, as Ian already mentioned. So I am going to take the Raiders at home over the Packers. All right, so Dwayne's going to go Commanders, Cowboys, and Raiders. That leaves it to me, and I will make it a clean sweep. I'm taking the Commanders as well for all the reasons uh, everyone else has stated. Plus, it keeps the meme going of has your team won a game since Elon Musk bought Twitter, and now the Bears are the only ones on the outside looking in. I think that remains the case after Thursday night football is done. Uh, In Sunday night football, I'm going to take the 49ers in part because I am a 49ers fan. Uh, I think this is going to be a very close game. Wouldn't be surprised uh, if this comes down to the last possession even uh, to decide how this thing goes one way or another. One quick little fantasy tip here too, I think. George Kittle has already had a rough fantasy start to the season. I don't expect him to be much involved, but I think they're going to have to keep him in to sort of help with pass protection against that Dallas pass rushing front. So, uh, you know, just kind of keep that in your back pocket there. But I do think the Niners do just enough to squeak out a win at home against the Cowboys on Sunday night football. And on Monday night, I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers on the road. Everything you guys said about Jordan Love, I think, is accurate. But I think this is a week that they start to lean on Aaron Jones a little bit more. We haven't seen that uh, really. I mean, he came back from the injury and we didn't see it a lot. I think this is a week they get back to sort of basics there and trying to run the football. Maybe the best way to neutralize that pass rush and keep Jordan Love out of some of those long down and distance situations. So uh, I will take the Green Bay Packers to beat the Raiders in Las Vegas on Monday night. There you go. That'll do it for us. We appreciate you hanging out with us as always. Thanks to Kendall Valenzuela for stopping by. Thanks to Matthew Berry and Golden Tate as well. Hope you guys enjoy everything to come here in week five. For Ian Harditz, for Dwayne McFarlane, for Matthew Friedman, I am Marcus Grant. This has been the Fantasy Live Show. Enjoy week five, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon. 